0: It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein.
1: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. As a John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church, and I'm so excited that you're tuning in. If you tuned in last week, you know that we had a very engaging conversation about the afterlife And prior to that study, we've really been looking at eschatology, just in summary, covering some of the topics such as the rapture, the mark of the beast, amongst many others. And that's that's a hot conversation these days when we examine the landscape here in America and, and around the world, quite frankly. So we've got a very intriguing discussion today, I think one that will be both convicting, maybe a bit alarming, but ideally we'll end it with some very encouraging direction for you. That's always our hope, to equip you, the saints, for the work of ministry, not to discourage you, but to encourage you that the Lord has a great and mighty plan, even through some of the adversity that we experience here today and what is forthcoming. So to help me in this powerful dialogue and discussion today, Dr. Steve Ford is back here in the studio. Welcome, my friend.
0: Thank you, John. It's great to be back. And this is this is really, really exciting. It's a topic near and dear to my heart as we were discussing this, and as I've I've read about the persecuted church, it'll just, it just breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. My heart is just broken for what you read. Um, just you know, keep a, a box of Kleenex nearby when you start <laughs> to to head down yeah. this road. The way that our brothers and sisters in Christ are suffering throughout the world, and the way I look at what we're, we're sort of organizing things now. We went through eschatology, and we've gone through. Uh, the end times and the seven years of tribulation. This is almost like a prologue now. This <laughs> is sort of right. our our buildup. What can, what can what have we seen? What can we expect to see as we head into those days? So we wanted to talk a little bit about the the Christian church. We wanted to draw some perspective. One of the questions that I had uh, was the first century Christians. What type of persecution did they experience as followers of Jesus Christ? What did they experience in the Roman Empire?
1: Oh, great question. That's probably a whole show in itself, right? right? right. I mean, there's a a great deal of history, a lot of things that we can learn from what transpired during that time. Before I get into that, let me just read a couple, maybe three verses here. I think this will really set the stage for what we're talking about, because I've had a number of dialogues as of recent, even within our church family, Uh, confusion about how the sequence of events unfold. You know, are the seals open first uh, before the seven-year period of time, are they during the seven-year period of time that we know is this tribulation into the Great Tribulation right. period? And, and so do we expect some form of adversity, I mean, to really come upon the Church, to to come upon believers uh, before even the seven-year period of time? And what we can do is really look to history, as you mentioned, as we really look back over the past 2,000 years, how has persecution unfolded, even in different ways? We can experience persecution today today, in ways that are very serious and yet may not be as serious as perhaps the, what we've seen in the past, right. where individuals were thrown to lions, used as human torches, stretched, drawn, and quartered. Wow. That's pretty gruesome, uh, but we are experiencing adversity in a number of ways. In fact, the latest statistic that I read is some 260 million Christians are That's right cool. now facing persecution today around the world. And we'll talk about that. But let me read these verses here uh, Revelation chapter 2, 10 to 11. It says, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. This is his direction of the church there in Smyrna. Uh, be faithful unto death and you will give, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Here's some other scriptures that I think uh, will also help us understand this a little bit more. I mean, again, there's special instruction given to those churches, those seven churches at the beginning of the book of Revelation, um, but the overall direction that we receive from scripture, I'm, I mean, let me take it personally here. My wife has been battling cancer for many years. Uh, I have, had, through that journey, and even today, have constantly looked to these scriptures to strengthen me. That the Lord has not turned his hand against us, right. that he is rather That's encouraging nice. us in the midst of struggle, that when you have those moments where you are faced with life and death, that the Lord is not absent. He's a, He doesn't turn a deaf ear and a blind eye to the sufferings and struggles of his people. There's something to be commended in the midst of this. So I started looking up all these scriptures about the, the body of Christ, his people going through struggle and suffering, and he's ever-present. All the time, even in the midst of that, even with those warnings that are coming. So these scriptures are not to cause consternation of discouragement, but rather to encourage us. Yes, there will be adversity, but I love you, my people. I'm with you. I'm a shield of protection, even though your body may suffer Oh, the commendations that await to the faithful. So let me read these here. 1 Peter 4, 12 to 14 and 17. He says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And then you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and you see this faith chapter. We love the hall of faith, right? Right. In Hebrews chapter 11, 35 to 38, he says, others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. You're thinking, wow, that sounds great if I'm following Jesus. This sounds like a wonderful end to my existence on this earth. And through this, God is glorified when we are in that sacrificial mindset of Matthew chapter 10 and 16, where we are willing to sacrifice that which is temporary for that which is eternal and the commendations that await to the overcomers. Oh, I think that to me, that's the encouragement. So when we talk about what did the early church go through? And when you look at what happened even with those seven churches and what the Ottomans did to Christians in that region, even in Antioch where the name Christian, the title Christian, follower of Christ was first known, uh, these churches struggled mightily. I mean, some of them burned alive in their churches. Wow. Um, Some of those who were strong in their faith, even thrown in boiling oil uh, of their false gods to make a a statement out of them. And you're like, where was God in that? And yet, God was glorified, and those saints commended in all of heaven, and we will celebrate what God has done, so don't be discouraged. But you look at the Roman government, and apart from their religion, they persecuted many Christians. I mean, they were a very polytheistic culture, and it seemed like anytime they wanted to blame the, uh, ec- the economy woes, the financial woes that were as a result of some of the wars, and all these things, Christians were an easy target. They were blamed constantly. They had and they were constantly concerned about Christianity because it could disrupt the entire economic sustainability and sort of the, the, the foundation they built it upon. And what was that foundation? Well, they had 60 million slaves in Rome, and Christians were teaching that slaves uh, were, were something else. They weren't just a property. They were a person. And there was neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, right. that we were all one in Christ Jesus. According to Galatians 3.28, they saw the teachings of Christianity as threatening to liberating the minds of people and giving them oneness and unity under Christ. That was dangerous. People who were in slavery and thought of themselves as slaves were easily kept in bondage after the moment they knew they were in christ now they're they could be liberated That there was something freeing in that that there now was a purpose to their existence and the romans were threatened by that their whole economy threatened by that so i mean you can imagine in their mind they're thinking this christianity is going to cause 60 million slaves to revolt so it's easy to blame christians for everything and then they started to blame them for like i mean all sorts of things nero blamed them for the fire Right, that broke out, he, he started to accuse, or even the emperors, there was at least 10 emperors that persecuted Christians. They started to accuse them of, of can- cannibalism. <laughs> right. When you read Rather John chapter Supper. 6, right, right. right? They took that as this literal thing that we were to eat Jesus, <laughs> right? And and so they were all it's all about cannibalism. Uh, I mean, they they found any way they could to try to accuse the Christians. So they drove Christians underground, and then you can find 600 miles of catacombs now that these Christians dug. 10 generations of Christians were buried in them over a period of nearly 300 years. So I I mean, this is the archaeologists estimate that Up to 4 million Christians, 4 million Christians, mind you, are buried in these catacombs. And and these were the individuals, of course, who were persecuted greatly for their faith. So today you can find that these groups, many of tour groups will even take you down into some of these catacombs. and, And you'll find some incredible imagery down there where there were churches that were actually taking place in these catacombs. One of the inscriptions reads, and it's still there to this day, the word of God is not bound. The word of God is not bound. Despite the persecution, despite all these millions of Christians driven underground even to continue to worship because knowing there was persecution above ground, it didn't deter them. And you wonder, are we that strong today? Would we forfeit our beautiful building go underground, worship the Lord there because we knew it came with great persecution. I mean, that's just scratching the surface. I yeah. could spend hours just talking about the Roman persecution, but that just gives us a glimpse of what our brothers and sisters before us have gone through with yeah. the great name of Jesus Christ.
0: Oh, amen. Yeah, it's it's amazing to think how revolutionary that thought was about the slaves after right. 2000 years of Christian teaching, it's not so shocking. Right. Uh, you know how revolutionary, you know, Christianity was really and how it affected that culture and how fearful it made them about what a threat right. Christianity was to them and then how they responded.
1: That's right. That's right. I, I mean, mean it, it was a threat to their governing way of life, to their economy of scale, their uh, their whole situation if even with their polytheism. I mean, you think about what was going on during the birth of Christ. And 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 how they were actually rebuilding all of their temples. Uh, there was this, this 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 emperor worship that was going on, yeah. and he was a godlike figure on Earth. Lower G, right? Right, right? And so it was this separation now of here's the true God incarnate force willing to sacrifice his life. And here on the other side of that spectrum is one wanting to be worshipped by all right. men and wanting birthdays to be celebrated. You know, you you need to acknowledge my birthday. You need to acknowledge me. It's all about me. And just an amazing uh, photo negative, as oh, we've definitely. talked about before, what right. was going on in the right. culture. And the Christians see this. They become change agents in their culture. I mean, and I can't say that they are without fear, right? Yeah. I mean, that I think we always think of our patriarchs as like these stoic... Right. Strong-minded right. for the cause of, Out of Christ, the yeah. right? You know, they they just don't have a single sweat band running <laughs> off their forehead. When the reality is, these were men and women just like uh, like you and I, is yeah. those who are listening right now. They're people, yeah. and they needed the same Holy Spirit to strengthen them as we do today. Right. I mean, the same the same Spirit that gave Philip that strength. Oh, as he's looking good. up, and you know, I mean, doing the work of God, as as we see, you know, the first martyrs, as we see these who gave their lives in, in obedience. As Stephen is yep. looking up, and he's serving the Lord, and they're about ready to stone him that for incredible. his faith, and he looks up into heaven, and he sees the right hand of the Father, or the Son at the right hand of the Father, and he's praising God. And Stephen is undeterred by. By this, I'm like, that that's the Holy Spirit that strengthens us, right? In the midst of these. So and you read all of the stories of the disciples, and you just see how they were encouraged, it seems, that the moment they face their demise, they say these profound things that are captured and it's like they could not do that in the flesh. No, no, not at all. That's a Holy Spirit move on his people. (laughs) He'll give us the same strength. I'm confident in
0: that. Yeah, I agree completely. It's like Fox's Book of Martyrs. You know, you read that again and again. I mean, the things that they were able to withstand and the way they were able to persevere and and the way that they were able to uh, look to the Lord even at the end of their lives for comfort and strength, which, like you said, can't be explained except through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. There is no other explanation. That's right. For how they were able to do those things and bear those things the way that they did.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we think about the 70 million. That's that's a conservative estimate. 70 million up from the Roman Empire up through the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, of Christians who were uh, slaughtered, slain wow. for their faith. I mean, we— Today, 260 million Christians are under persecution, and they have experienced persecution in a number of ways. But to think that 70 million of our brothers and sisters over the last 2,000 years, and that's a conservative number, have lost their lives for salvation. I mean, what a celebration in Revelation 7 of all of these multitudes gathered that no man counts, the Lord knows the number, of celebrating him and, and to be around people like that. Who oh, yeah. so love the Lord?
0: Right, they get it. Right.
1: There are the only treasures that they look forward to—that which they can give to the Lord—where rust and moth never destroy. Right, I, I, I mean, people say when you talk about the persecuted church, people often get discouraged. And to me, it's like, look what God does in the midst of persecution. Oh, yeah. There is a thriving church in the midst of those valleys, which it's almost inverted. Where we see it as a valley, it's like a peak for the work of the kingdom. Yeah,
0: we really see that. He who is willing to lose his life will find it. That's right. We see that under persecution. That's right. And how else does that actually get brought out? How does that get brought to bear other than persecution? Right. um, That sure is when we seem to see it. When we look at history of the Christian church, that's when we seem to see it the most. That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Amen. Amen. And I think when we look at the current... Uh, landscape today, right I mean this is it's, it's what's going on around us right now. Uh, you and I before the program we were talking about that of what what do we see happening today? How does persecution look today? Uh, if we look just in time past I mean and not that long ago, uh, it was estimated that twelve to 20 million Christians were killed during the Soviet regime. over a hundred thousand clergymen were killed in Russia just in the mid 1930s uh, for their faith specifically for their faith. Now, we talk about the Jews, the 6 million plus that died uh, for just being Jewish. Right. Um, but here we're talking about just for being Christian, you know, that they saw Christian as hostile to their form of government. And Christians in China experienced increasing attacks just in 2020. Uh, and we don't have the 2021 numbers yet, but they're starting to come in. If you look at the statistics, though, 2018 and 19, 793 churches were attacked in China. 1,847 forty-seven. One thousand eight hundred forty-seven churches were attacked worldwide, with 800 of those just about in China. Now, in 2020, that jumped to almost 5,600 churches wow. in just the first part of 2020 in China. Okay, so it, between 18 and 19, 800 churches. 2020, 5,600 churches just in China. Okay, so, I mean, what we're talking about that... In 23 provinces here around China, there have been all these churches are now closing. The people are being rounded up, uh, their pastors taken, this new citizen score that's being put out there. I mean, it's becoming easier for them to find the Christians and persecute them, and yet the church continues to grow. I mean, it is still thriving there. I mean, look at India there were 447 verified incidences of violence and hate crimes against Christians in India in the first quarter of 2020. And according to the latest statistics now, we are up to 260 million Christians are now experiencing this adversity, this type of persecution around the globe, which is a 6% annual increase. Wow. I mean, the numbers are staggering when you look at that. Uh, and, And we'll see this even throughout the tribulation period, right? We think that Okay, after the rapture then what? Well, God's work is not done. I mean, he has 144,000 witnesses, two very uh gifted individuals who have spiritual power and authority by way of the Holy Spirit working through them. Maybe that's Enoch and Elijah. We've talked a little bit about that, but they certainly are operating in that vein of power. Those two witnesses come, an angel like an eagle spreads out to give the gospel message. Uh but during this time the antichrist will also be given permission to inflict permissible wounds. Against the saints. It says in verse 7 of Revelation 13, it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. So although he gives this, he's been given this authority over all the nations, there's something unique where he seems to thrive in trying to persecute Christians, and just because he's given permission to do that does not mean that that's God's harsh wrath upon his own people. Right. Right, and we got to understand and delineate the two. There seems to be this commendable thing that comes out of that. We will know the sufferings of Christ. We will finally understand this graduation into a better resurrection, Um, and it's not our own strength in which we're doing that. I mean, Daniel was not relying on his own strength to face the lions. Right. I guarantee Shadrach, Meshach, and (laughs) Abednego were not depending on their own strength to overcome a fire that killed their captors. Right. Um, They needed the full strength of the Holy Spirit even then. Uh, David, as he's standing off with Goliath, it wasn't just because he was confident in his slingshot, yep. right? I mean, it, it maybe we go, well, he, he was pretty confident because he killed the bear and the lion. Okay, uh, we read that, but yet still, I mean, come on, this guy's like twice his height. Right? He, he was going out there with a the bold confidence of the Holy Spirit that Amen. was with him, and I believe he'll give that to his church as well, Jesus, yep. our I agree Lord,
0: completely. Yep. Yeah. and we agree completely. And even as we discussed Revelation, you see the importance, like you were talking about earlier in the show, of perseverance. Yeah, if there's yeah. no persecution, what do we need to persevere through? So why would there be this emphasis right. on perseverance if there's no persecution that's to be expected?
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah I, I think that theme runs throughout Scripture. Right. There's constant need for affirmation from the Apostle Paul to these churches to be strong in the Lord. Dude, uh, Peter spends a great yeah, deal I of love paper. Yeah, I read
0: from Peter. Yeah,
1: oh, and he constantly was just, uh, James even, I mean, it's like you believe in God. Good. I mean, the demons do tremble. I mean, it's like you believe in the Lord. This is a, 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 it was like an expectation as Paul was encouraging in the words to Timothy of be a faithful soldier. Yeah. Right. Don't, don't even put your roots deep in this world. It's a defeated kingdom. Yep be that soldier, know that you are standing in spiritual warfare uh, against an enemy who roars about like a, ro- a roaring lion seeking to devour you. <laughs> um, if that doesn't put you in a posture of total dependency on God, right. we, we just don't understand sacrifice,
0: yeah.
1: right? I think as a, as a Western church especially, one of our greatest threats is prosperity. Exactly. I it I has worked that's... in opposition to us that we think that with the blessing of Following Christ means our wells are full of water, right. our fields are always uh, n- nourished, provided, and, and thriving, right. uh, meaning our bank accounts are solid, Right. cars never have any problems, Yeah. And we got the biggest house on the block. Yeah. Um, there's just this, this misnomer, I think, of what it means to take up our cross to yeah, follow him.
0: arguably become a form of idolatry. Oh, sure. You know, we're we're depending on those things, you know, instead of depending on the Lord and his providence, because we think, well, we've got all those boxes checked, we've got all those bases covered, right. everything's okay, you yeah. know, and I think... He, I think we're what I'm hearing here, you know, within persecution, as awful as that may be, the Lord is just there ever the more yeah. to bless us, to reassure us, to strengthen us, to guide us and direct us. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's something that we need to be fearful of. I think right. that it, you know today we just need to be making sure that our relationship with the Lord is what it should be. So when those times do come, and they will come, yes. that we are prepared to handle them in a way that is pleasing to Him and through His power and not our own.
1: Right, and believe me, I. I have read through Revelation and the 18 prophetic books so many times. I really want to be able to tell people, hey, everything I grew up with, with the seals and the trumpets and the bowls, only bearing, being during the seven-year period of tribulation and great tribulation, and that's it. And we, the Western church, won't have to see that kind of adversity. And we are part of that, that the bride of Christ of Romans 11. We're out of here and uh, never even have to get our hands dirty for the yeah. kingdom Uh, I I just don't see that. The more I read it, um, I I do think that I I am a pre-trib person. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe that the tribulation will occur and we as the bride will be drawn out before the day of wrath. When is the day of wrath? Well, the first time of wrath being poured out is at the sixth seal. The sixth seal has the wrath poured out. It says the day, capital D, has come. There's an earthquake. Sky goes black. It's a pretty traumatic moment. But in that, just as when Christ was sacrificed on that cross, when the sky went black and there was an earthquake before, the saints were released, they go throughout the city declaring the praises of the Lord, Um, I I think there's a message of hope in the midst of a judgment against the system of Babylon, that God has not forsaken his people despite the persecutions that come. Praise God that we, in my humble opinion, won't be here through those trumpet judgments. Uh, But there is something to be said about a God who is with us through persecution. In that persecution, we draw near to the Lord in ways that we would never in the midst of prosperity. I will
0: never leave you nor forsake
1: you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he just has to detoxify us from our addiction to Babylon. Right. Wake us
0: up. Yeah. yeah, like smelling salts. You belong
1: to me, right? You were set apart. Yeah, you're, not you're to be undefiled. If you want to be my bride, and I and I am going to present. I mean, here Paul was to present us as a chaste virgin back unto yeah. the Lord, right? To to draw us to a point in in the sanctification process, we are so ready for the return of the Lord. Our lanterns full that even through the adversity, we are a bride ready for the groom.
0: Yeah, I think of it too. Just like the the Lord has all this intimacy that He wants to share with us, but we're not pursuing Him. We're not in a in a position to receive all the many things that He wants to provide us with.
1: Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So I
0: think that you know that's definitely something that we need to consider as we move forward as our relationship with the Lord and just preparing because we know that these times will come.
1: That's right. And we may be in them. Right. I mean, we may it, be it, in them. There's... It certainly feels a landscape. Look how fast America has been. Yeah. Just uh, the, the things that we've known, how it's changed so rapidly. Right. Uh, it just recently, this horrible shooting that happened in Boulder. And with that uh, immediately, there is the narrative is let's get rid of all the firearms. Right. And I and I get it. I get why people immediately go to that. But what we have to understand is the systematic series of events that fundamentally change the landscape of America and, and ultimately prepare us for what will be. A future series of events with regard to a one-world government and all of these things that we go, ah, oh, now we're talking conspiracy. No, we just understand our enemy. Right. And his plans are such, and the Lord has revealed these plans to us, knowing that he is a lion on a chain. Right. God is still in control over all of us. He's given us plenty of warning. These things are coming, so don't be dismayed. Yeah. You're my watchman on the wall. You know adversity is coming. Prepare for it. The yep. landscape exactly. will change. Yep. If you're depending on your 401k, you've got your trust and hope in the wrong thing. Yeah, uh, the money will change. The system will change. We talked about that with with uh, Egypt, yeah. right? I mean, right. how the system totally changed right. and prepared ultimately very for judgment. A short, on the short land.
0: period of time, really.
1: Yeah, you know? a yeah, very short period of time. Yeah, and, and we've got a lot of prayer to do. I mean, we've got our brothers and sisters in North Korea. we were talking yeah. about that. Yeah, in um, oh all around the world that yeah. are suffering. And, and what was the statistic you were reading to me about North Korea?
0: Oh yeah, North Korea, you know, holds the title the distinction. As uh, for twenty consecutive years, being the number one persecutor of Christians. Wow! Yeah, yeah dubious like distinction at best. There, yeah. Right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's really appalling, and it, I think similarly, they they want their people to sort of worship the Kim Dynasty just as the mm. the Roman emperors wanted to be worshipped, and so they see Christianity as a threat. You know, very right. very similar to what we see in the early Christian Church.
1: Well, any effort to strip the rights of people to bring people under subjection to a hostile governing system uh, has to remove Christianity, right? And right? It, 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 because it's the Bible that gives the truth. It's the Bible that tells us how we are liberated and, and, and free and all the truth that is given by way of the scripture that uh, is a threat to yeah. hostility and the hostile governments yeah. that cease to take well, as that. As
0: Christians, it. we believe we perform for an audience of one and that that's one right. is no world leader. That's so that's true. automatically a threat.
1: And of course, our brothers and sisters that we have in Nigeria, I think it was uh, David Curry, CEO of Open Doors, uh, talked about that, that Nigeria is is right now, there are more Christians being murdered there than any other part of the world um, right now. And, and so it's it's easy to overlook what's still happening in, in Africa and the hostility from Muslims in that area. Uh, and, and of course, then what we're seeing around the globe, uh, the persecution still continues in Iran, in China. Uh, much of the Middle East, and yet despite all that, we have our churches that we are in partnership with there in the Middle East, uh, especially in the land of Israel, in the West Bank, and in Jerusalem. And they're telling us about all these Arabs who are coming to know Jesus Christ, that he is coming to them in their dreams, Dreams dreams vivid dreams. And and so with this, we see that God is on the move, even in the midst of the persecuted church, that there are more Christians coming out of this uh, attempt to squelch truth than perhaps any other time in human history. Right. And we praise God for that. And Man. here we are out of time. Oh so just, How does that even happen? Our, I know, it just goes by <laughs> so quick. So we'll have to just continue in this discussion That'd even awesome. next week and uh, and see as the Lord leads that conversation. So Dr. Ford, thank you for your time yeah, as always. I hope you, you've been blessed as you've listened to this program, maybe encouraged a little bit as the persecution has been maybe something on your mind as well. And you're seeing what's going on around the world. You're growing concerned. Don't Don't grow weary. Don't waver in your faith. You stand upon a solid rock. And Jesus Christ fights for you. He is with you as he has fought for his people throughout all of time. He fights for you, brothers and sisters. And I hope you're blessed uh, when you hear a program like that, when you hear that, that message that, that it is so loud and clear in Scripture that he is with you. If you're looking for a church to worship with, come check us out at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. You can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. We would love to worship with you. God bless you, my friends. Take care.